Hello, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Dr. Louise, and I help the survivors of toxic parents feel understood, reclaim their identity, and move forward with their lives. Today, I am a totally different person <laughs> than I was the last episode I recorded. So if y'all don't know, I record my podcast episodes on Monday. They go live on Tuesday because I'm not the kind of entrepreneur that has stuff done way in advance. <laughs> this is just not how I live my life. And on Monday of last week, I, um, you know, I had spent all of May, right? Um, packing up my father's, my toxic father's house. Um, I'd moved him all out June 1st. We were out of that house, no longer paying his rent, feeling good about that. And um, it looked like his health was doing pretty good. And, um, you know, I just wasn't, I wasn't thinking a lot about it. I thought we were kind of done for now. And that's what I thought the last podcast episode um, that I recorded on that Monday. Uh, it turns out that was not the actual situation. Um, it turns out that my father was actually in hospice while I was recording that episode. I didn't know that because I am no contact. I have been no contact. There is a family friend that was keeping me in the loop and uh, the family friend couldn't get any straight answers from the doctors and such. Um, this friend is not is not local. This friend is based in California, where my father used to live, where I used to live also. So long story short, um, my father was was in hospice, and I found out Monday night, um, actually. And I found out within 12 hours of his actual passing. So my, my father has passed now. And um, it was very fortunate because my his friend came into town um, just in time to to be with him for the last several hours of his life, and that was really good. Um, I I didn't need to step in, so I did not uh, see my father um, in this final stretch, and that that seemed right. By the time I knew that he was in hospice, he was already he was already unconscious. Um, he wasn't going to be very aware of my presence, anyways. So that's that happened. <laughs> that happened. Um, and we went into, we went into the whole thing. We, we did all of the, um, arrangements that are necessary when someone passes. If you don't know, I am an only child. Um, so not only am I the one that's managed dad, I'm, I'm the only, the only kid involved at all. So I went forth and did the things. My partner was with me. He was very helpful. And it is the following Monday and I am trying to move back into work because I think, I think I'm, I'm okay. I'm actually, I'm actually kind of ready to do that. So I, when all of this started happening, I abandoned my job. I just like stopped doing everything. Um, very fortunate that my father, not my father, my partner has, um, a robust bereavement policy at his work. So he was able to also step away from work for the basically for the rest of the week. And that's that is what we did. Um, so my father is um, now in the ground in his final resting place. Um, then my family in San Diego, his his network really is very San Diego focused where we used to live. Um, so they're going to have a service for him, but I'm not really involved in that. 
I just needed to work on the immediate funeral things. So we did that. So in today's episode, I didn't know how I could show up unless I talked about these experiences. Um, There are several things that have happened to me in the past week that I think would be helpful um, for for y'all to hear. Um, And, you know, I want to say this is just my experience. I want, you know, if you're feeling uncomfortable already, just a few minutes into the episode, because I'm going to be talking about the death of a toxic person, if that is not a space you are ready to be in, please switch away from this episode. Um, I'm going to... I'm just going to be real with you guys because that's that's what feels right to me, honestly. Um, I think one of the things I'm trying to really come to embrace about myself is that I heal through sharing. I heal through helping other people. Um, like these are the things that really, really do help me. And, you know, as as the daughter of two toxic parents, I was taught not to share. I was taught that sharing is bad. And I definitely feel a little tension right now. I'm not going to lie. I feel a little tension about like, oh my God, am I really doing this? Like, am I really going to talk about it? It's barely been a week. But while I feel those things, I also can kind of see that that's that's who I used to be. I used to be somebody who didn't share. And and today I'm the kind of person that shares. And I want to honor that about myself and honor those changes that I've experienced. So here goes nothing. <laughs> I hope this is helpful and not not harmful in any way. But again, I want to encourage you if you're feeling triggered, if you're feeling upset about this, if you are not ready to hear me share my experiences just a week out from from everything happening, I can totally respect that. You know, no no shade and no shame and turning away right now. So one of the first things that I experienced that I really want to share with you that I think is so important. I'm sure I'm going to do other content, you know, Instagram, maybe more other podcast episodes on this in particular, but I want to tell you right now at no point in this process, did I have any feelings of regrets about my boundaries? I did not at any point feel like I wish I hadn't gone no contact. Okay. So that's something that we're often told as people who might be considering going no contact you know, that people throw in our face, well, they're going to die someday. So, so you don't want to do that. You're going to regret it, right? People act with like this extreme confidence that we are going to regret our boundaries upon the death of the person that we're dealing with. And I am here to tell you from the front lines, okay, um, this is virtually in real time. I didn't regret at all. I think I definitely felt sadness. I still feel sadness that the situation is what it was. I wish that the situation could have been different, but I know that my boundary setting wouldn't have changed that, right? I My boundaries were things I instated in my life in order to keep me safe. And if I had not had the no contact boundaries that I did, I would have spent the last several months super wrapped up in all of the ups and downs of my father's medical path. I know I would have had to stop my work. I would have been, we probably wouldn't have already shut down the house. It would have been too much to do that while dad was, was ill. My life would have been super different in mostly not good ways. 
um, layering on the fact that I'm sure my father would have continued to be who he was through that process. And that would have added tension into my, my own experiences. Um, and I know my father also had this family friend around, so it was not like he, um, was truly isolated, right? There were people around. And I also know, um, that he had more, he had more opportunities for friends and resources than he ever admitted, right? He liked to exclusively use me as supply, but there were other people around who could have supported him, could have spent time with him, could have helped him through this. And he, he actively chose not to tap into those resources. And that was his journey. That was his choices. And I don't necessarily need to pass judgment on that. But I know that if I had stepped in, I would have experienced a lot of harm um, in a lot of different ways. And that would not make today easier. That would not make his passing easier, right? In some ways it would make it much harder because I would have, you know, there's always a jolt when you transition from being actively mistreated to no longer having that in your face. It's a strong jolt, right? You get used, you expect certain things in the day, you expect certain hardships. And then when those stop coming, that that's hard for your nervous system to accept. That's hard to feel. And my boundaries in this case in the last few months really helped. It, it helped make it so I didn't have to have that jolt, right? I didn't have to go into a place that was going to be dangerous for me and then, and then exit it and, you know, face those sorts of things. So my, my boundaries have helped, I think, with this immediate transition. And I think, you know, when we get a little more existential, because, right, I am a philosopher, <laughs> I'm uh, I naturally step into the existential space and I think about the bigger picture things about what is death? What does it mean for your father, for your parent to die? You know, when I step into those spaces and I think about my boundaries and I think about the, the way going no contact, the fact that I hadn't spoken to my father in three years, the meaning that that added, the way that contributed to the meaning of his passing to the, situation, I, I don't feel any regret. I don't, I don't regret my boundaries. My boundaries were there to keep me safe. My boundaries were there to create space so that I could grow. My boundaries have helped me to approach this situation with more compassion and with more kindness than I ever thought would be possible. And that's those boundaries gave me that space to grow. And that's why I can talk to you right now. That's why I can come back to work on Monday. Um, that's why I haven't had a panic attack. I haven't had, you know, my PTSD has not been going off the, the, the chain. I don't know what, what does PTSD go off? <laughs> right. I haven't been having a lot of really serious traumatic experiences, um, because of the space that my boundaries bought me here in the past couple of months, but even over the past several years where I've been no contact, I had the space to grow and to heal. And I'm proud of that. I'm proud of the fact that I could hold those boundaries. I'm sad that my father passed. I, I never wanted him to die. Um, it was, of course, logistically, there are some ways his passing simplified my life, but I never wanted him to pass. I wanted him to have a good life away from me. I just didn't want to be part of it. 
And I got as close as I could in, in, in the situation I was dealt to, to get to that point. And I feel, I feel good about that. So for any survivor who might be considering going no contact and is worried about the, what if you regret, I, I can't promise that you won't have any feelings of regret. Of course, I can't promise that because I don't know who you are. I don't know what your story is. I don't know how you're feeling about no contact. But what I can tell you today as somebody who just faced that, I did not have any feelings of regret. And I don't expect to develop them as we move through this. I feel sadness. I, I feel like I wish the situation was different, but the my boundaries were response to the situation, right? My boundaries were a response to it. My boundaries honored what the actual situation was. My boundaries were what was true about the situation. And I don't have an ounce of regret for that. So that's the first big thing. You know, I was almost like expecting to regret it, even though like, I don't think I, I never thought it would be true. Right. I thought like intellectually, I was like, no, it doesn't make sense. Like, that's not how it's going to go. Intellectually, I didn't think I would regret. But emotionally, I, I imagined I would feel the sudden pang of, oh, my God, what have I done? Like this kind of energy. And uh, I didn't. I didn't. And I don't think I'm going to. So I really wanted to share that with you because. I think so many of us, so many of us, you know, hesitate, I think in our boundary setting because we anticipate something or people tell us something's going to happen. And, you know, I'm at least one example where that wasn't true. Um, I did not suddenly regret. So we're going to hear a quick word from our sponsor. And then when we come back, I'm going to talk some more about some of the other big lessons I learned in the past week. So the next thing that I learned that I want to share with with y'all is really about um how do I say it like it's like listening to your body now I'm, I'm not gonna lie there were parts of the thing I, I dissociated it wasn't in a really extreme way or really negative way but I was definitely distant from my body for parts of this process um and you know I, I actually had a lot of help with that um, with my partner. So my partner walked this, this journey with me and, uh, we actually played off of each other really well. Like my partner was involved with my father, you know, before I went no contact. Um, so he, you know, he knows what's up, he knows what's happening. Um, he probably hadn't dealt with death as much as I had in my life. My, um, I guess if you don't know, I, I'm not sure I've talked about it before, I had three of my grandparents die within a year of each other, um, all in March, two in one year, one in the next, uh, when I was young, when I was in middle school. So I had like a really hearty dose of death when I was young and a very critical age developmentally. And uh, that's always made me, like I'm a little bit unusually comfortable with death, right? As an idea, death doesn't scare me. I think death adds meaning to our lives. Um, I definitely believe that if we never died, um, life would be less good. I think it is ultimately a good thing for us as a species, as um, beings, that there is um, this place of, of death. And I'm not afraid to think about it. Um, probably there were times in my life I was a little fixated on it, maybe kind of like, you know, 
um, stereotypically how like goths approach it. I kind of headed that way at points in my life. I'm not so there now. Now I'm, I'm much more of a let's look at the darkness and the rainbows kind of energy, right? Um, I balance those two things a lot. And I think that uh, that training I had in the past with death um, kind of prepared me to be able to handle some of these things. So the idea of like working on the funeral and those things was not so challenging uh, conceptually for me. It's not like, I mean, it was heavy. It was hard. It was hard um, because it was my father, right? Because the there's just a lot of heaviness when your parent has died. But um, thinking about death was not so outrageous to me. And so that made me a little bit more comfortable with a lot of things than my partner. But my partner um, and I, you know, one of the things we really prioritize in our healing journey for both of us, um, cause we both, we both had uh, trauma in our past that encouraged us to dissociate, to leave our bodies, to not feel our bodies. Um, it, it's different between him and me, but this is, <laughs> this is true of both of us. And we are big proponents of intuitive eating, um, which really is learning to listen to your body and really taking the signals that your body gives you and when it's time to eat and when it's time to rest and when it's time to drink water and like all of these things, really getting to learn to listen to your body. And uh, for this sort of situation, the chances that I was just not going to eat were extremely high because when I'm under a lot of stress, I don't like to eat. I just completely, I like, don't even think about it. It's not like I'm avoiding food. I don't think about it because I am so mm, distant from my body. I'm so distant from the feelings my body are giving me or my body is giving me. So in this process, working with my partner, um, he definitely had moments that were similar to that where we might forget to eat. But usually at least one of us could notice like, hey, it's been many hours since we have checked in on bodily needs. Like, are you thirsty? Do, do we need to have a meal? Right. We weren't working by a script. We weren't like, it's noon. We have to eat. Now we were trying to like take these moments to kind of pause and be like, does food sound good to you at all? Like, do you think are, are, are you tired because you haven't eaten? For me, that's a big thing. If I don't eat um, enough protein, especially, I will get really fatigued. And I don't always notice that I'm tired because of food. And so my partner was was really helpful. And we really played off of each other. So even if I was in a place thinking and dealing with stuff where I wasn't really hearing my body, my partner would kind of step in and, and help remind me to do that. And I think that was a really healthy thing that really made the whole process easier. Because if I let myself stay in that place where I was not listening to my body at all, I wasn't prioritizing listening to my body, um, you know, I would have not been nourished sufficiently to deal with the harder stuff. And the harder stuff would have felt worse. It would have felt more severe, right? Because I hadn't, I hadn't, uh, you know, I didn't have the nutrition to deal with the thing. I couldn't think clearly because, you know, I hadn't eaten in a while. So I think that was something I didn't expect in this situation to be important. Um, you know, I've gone on a long journey making peace with my body, 
um, making peace with food, improving my relationship with those things. That's been a long journey for me. And I didn't anticipate that that journey was actually going to be integral to helping me navigate, you know, one of the most dramatic moments in, in my entire adult life. And it really has. It really has. And I had the benefit of having a partner. So, you know, when whenever you might face this kind of journey, um, if you have any friends or family that you trust, um, you might encourage them to to help you just check in with yourself. Um, just remind yourself that you have needs too. And even though you might not be focused on what your body is telling you, it's it's good to check in and kind of give it that opportunity. And sometimes, you know, I was I was having a snack at midnight, 1 a.m. <laughs> like, I was not sleeping. I was not on a particular sleep schedule, I would say, throughout this process. Um, and I didn't try to force myself to be anything, right? I didn't control myself and say, like, no, you absolutely have to do this because it's good for you. Screw that. Like, <laughs> I was definitely just moving with the feelings. And if I felt like staying up later, I did. And if I felt like, um, you know, I wanted to journal, I did that. If I wanted to do art, I did that. If I wanted to talk, I did that. For me, I think talking has been a really powerful tool. And, you know, just like I recommend with my clients, just like I recommend to survivors, I think it's really important to try to balance the heavy with something light, right? It's it's just like trying, I mean, this is how I also approach food, just because me personally, I, I like I like to, you know, have that salad with the pasta, like balance the heavier thing with a lighter thing, right? Those dark flavors, give it something fresh, right? It's the same thing with the emotions. So like my partner and I would stay up, you know, we're talking, we're talking into the night, we're talking about deep things, I'm talking about, what my father's life was like and, you know, who I am now that he's passed and just trying to kind of wrap my mind around everything that's happened and how these events have kind of added meaning to uh, the experiences I had with my father, maybe how it didn't add meaning, um, which I'm sure I don't have time to talk about here in this uh, podcast, but I'm sure at some point we'll be talking about how some of the things um became a little less meaningful, actually. Um, but in any event, you know, we're, we're, it's heavy. It's heavy. These are heavy conversations. I enjoy those conversations in general because I like to stare at the darkness. I need to stare at the darkness. As somebody who's experienced long-term abuse, a lot of it child abuse, I need to stare at the darkness because the darkness helps me feel more me. I, I sometimes I wish that wasn't true. Sometimes I wish that I could just be a light, um, airy, <laughs> like bright rainbows all the time kind of person. Um, but it's, that's just not who I am. Um, the darkness is an important part of who I am and I need to spend time with it. And conversation is one of the best ways that I can spend time with it because it doesn't, it's not so scary if I can put it into language. But at the same time, I definitely, and at times on this journey, I, I went too far. I went a little too far in the darkness, um, right? And it, it, got, it got really heavy and it was starting to feel a little stuck. We started to feel like, you know, I'm in this darkness and I don't know how to get out. And that's never a good sign. That's, 
that's a sign it's it's time to rebalance. We've gotten out of whack and we need to make sure that we can touch base with the parts of life that are not about darkness. Because uh, darkness, I, for me, it has a lot of value to be in that space. But the how, how do I say it? Like, there's a point where the goods that you get there diminish, right? There's a point where being in that darkness too long can turn into something really problematic rather than something that's adding goodness to my life. So when that happens, you know, I would, I would share with my partner, like, this has been heavy. I think we really need to prioritize having some fun. And I didn't like, I don't know how to have fun. Like, I, First of all, it sounds horrible, right? Like my dad just died and like, I'm ready to have fun. You know, that, that seems terrible. But at the same time, I know that processing big, heavy things, I got to pair it with lightness. So, you know, the, the day that we buried my father, which um, it was Friday, we, um, there's a, there's a bar in my town called Spirited. And when this bar recently opened, it had a different owner and it kind of, it had like a weird beach energy, um, which I didn't, I didn't really like. I'm not the biggest fan of the beach personally. I grew up in San Diego, like close to the ocean and like sand is just like my arch nemesis. So uh, that was not my vibe, but it got a new owner in town. And now it's got this spooky kind of Victorian death kind of energy. And they have drinks, they have cocktails that um, crack, you know, like puns about death. So I like that day I was like, okay, I, I went to my partner, his name's Jeremiah. I was like, Jeremiah, we have to go to Spirited and I have to get a margarita. <laughs> okay. So it's a, it's like a charcoal activated charcoal drink, um, with agave. It's, it's like a margarita. Um, but it's a margarita. And I was like, I can't tell if this is like wildly inappropriate or if like, this is a great idea. Um, but my partner and I went in and we went to this bar and we, we had this drink and in the end, it felt like so perfect. It felt so right. It's a little bit of fun. It's playful. It's not running away from death. It's not running away from the things it's facing it, but it's facing it with a bit of a sense of humor. And him and I ended up having this really good conversation. Um, we were probably at the bar for a couple hours, um, and, you know, we just, we really just enjoyed ourselves and we, we were still processing, we were still talking, right? So that's a, that was a really good example of the lightness, the silly, the, the fun. I mean, it's not exactly fun, but the kind of fun with, with the darkness. And that was a really good level for me, right? At this stage in, in the journey, I was really ready for some dark humor because that's as close as I could get to rainbows, right? Like I'm not ready to um, go watch children's movies that make you feel good. Like I'm not ready for that, but I'm ready to have a margarita. <laughs> so if you're ever in my town, um, go to the bar called Spirited. It's downtown. <laughs> um, right. And I, I got really nervous because like I have a, I have my business Instagram, which is empowerment through thought, but I also have a personal Instagram that's very small. It's mostly like friends and a couple family members. And I posted on I posted that I had this drink called a margarita. And then my my cousin who I'd been talking about with the, the funeral arrangements and everything with, she liked it. And I was like, oh my God, I hope I didn't like make her feel bad because I just don't know. Like I, you don't know how people are going to handle that you had a margarita the day you buried your dad. I don't know. <laughs> like you don't know. Um, but she she thought it was it was good and appropriate. So thank goodness that <laughs> um, I didn't make her upset in that process. But you know, I, 
I think, what am I saying? What am I saying? If, if you're listening to this and you're wondering about what's going to happen when, um, your, your toxic parent passes, um, I think, I think there are two big things I want to convey here in the second half of the episode. One, I want you to try to listen to your body and recruit friends, recruit the people around you to help you check in on your body. Um, cause it's hard. At least for me, it was really hard for my partner. It was hard, but because we could play off of each other, we managed to eat, we managed to sleep. We managed to do all of the things that were really high risk, um, in this situation. The second thing I want to say is, you know, find the way through that feels good to you. And if it involves facing the darkness, I really encourage you to pair that with some lightness, right? It doesn't have to be uh, rainbows and butterflies, but find, find a level for you where you can enter those really hard spaces, but you can also exit them and take a break because we need that. We need, there were times I really needed a break. I needed to just mentally check out. I needed to, you know, I, I did some art. Um, I was decorating a notebook that I have no use for. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this notebook, but it was a pretty notebook and it came with some pretty stickers and, um, some washi tape, some decorative tape to put in it. And I was literally just decorating it without any purpose. I don't know how I'm going to use it. I don't know if I want to use it. It's a weird size for me. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know. I was just doing it cause it felt good. I put a stupid movie on, um, and I just, I just worked in this, this notebook, I just decorating it for no purpose. That was like another example of, of lightness that worked for me right? That felt good to me. And it, it gave me a break and I didn't have to face the darkness for a little while and I could recover. And I think that for a lot of us, especially as abuse survivors, especially if you experience child abuse, especially if you're, you know, got a lot to process, still a lot to work on in figuring out how you feel about the toxic person and how you feel about the experiences you had. It's so important um, to be able to do that work and then take a break. Um, you deserve it. You deserve a break. This stuff's, this stuff's heavy. So, you know, we're, we're coming to the end of the episode. I just want to say thank you for listening. I know this is a little bit rambly, <laughs> but I wanted to do an episode and I just, I needed to be who I am right now. And who I am is a little bit scattered, <laughs> a little bit dysfunctional, um, but still showing up, still working on processing the things that have happened to me. And as always, I am, I am here on the front lines of these experiences to try to find ways that, that can help you. It can help you, my fellow survivors. Um, I think that that, that's really important work for, for me. I know it's, it's helpful to you and I'm so, I hope that this episode was helpful to you. Um, I really hope that it can impact you in a positive way. Um, but it's also important for me, um, because I, I don't want you to suffer. I don't want people to suffer any more than they have to. You've already been through so much. I've already been through so much. If there's any small way I can help make the situation better for somebody, I'm going to try to do it. I'm going to do my best. So I hope that there was value in this. Um, if you want to chat with me, I do have a program I was in the middle of kind of launching and like talking about before my father passed. Um, we had that secret word pizza. If you are interested in that program or anything about that, if you just want to, you know, share some of your thoughts on this episode, anything like that, please hit me up on Instagram, I'm just at empowerment through thought. 
Um, my DMs are open. I'm getting back to it this week. So I'd love to hear from you. Um, and I just want to say thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being on this journey with me. And I'll catch you guys in the next one. Bye-bye.